Good evening, my dear people. So good to see you again. Uh, I just, uh, one of my favorite things about doing a State of the University address is the attendee list. <clears throat> I love uh, looking down the list here uh, and seeing so many wonderful names uh, that have uh, been with us for so long, including some that I haven't seen in a while. Very good. Wonderful. Excellent. Um, okay. So, uh, 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 thanks for joining me here tonight. It is time for the State of the University Address uh, 2016 uh, to give you guys an update on some of the things that have been going on and, most importantly, looking ahead uh, towards what's going to be happening uh, over the course of the next year, especially this next, uh, this next academic year. Um, there's a lot of things going on. This past year has been an amazing year of growth as an institution. Um, both as a sort of as a school that is as far as our 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 our, our classes and, and the work that we do there, but in this past year, uh, really even more as an institution, kind of behind the scenes. And I'm not sure exact. I'm sure that some of this has been uh, visible to uh, to students, um, but boy, has it been a revolutionary year uh, as far as the working of the school. I think about where we were a year ago today. You know, the beginning of June, 2015. And at that point, we were still operating basically in startup mode, where I was kind of the only central point of contact for, you know, we had a bunch of people who were doing things, and I, it's not that I wasn't delegating any work or trying to keep it all to myself, but you know, we had a number of people who were volunteering in different ways. We had started the work-study program, um, but we didn't really have any kind of, of real organization, and we didn't have any way to, to really communicate uh, and, uh, uh, and coordinate what we were doing. Um, so but 11 months ago now, uh, we launched uh, a major thing. We got a, uh, we subscribed to this new software program called Bitrix, which is a communication system. And uh, we actually have like an organizational chart and uh, leadership structure and uh, the ability to communicate with each other and for everybody to know whom they should communicate with when they have a question about something. And it's just, I mean, the way in which we're operating now compared to where we were uh, a year ago, it's hard for me even to contemplate uh, where we were a year ago today. And it's been a really huge deal. What we're going what, to, what's coming on, oh, it's coming up this year um, is basically kind of taking that foundation that we have solidified so greatly uh, over this past year and kind of moving that forward in a sense into our academic program. Our changes, the things that are coming up this year, the changes that are coming up this year are going to be much more directly impacting the lives uh, of our students as well as our sort of listeners and donors and everybody else um, and because we're in so much of a better place to really sort of rethink and begin uh, really kind of taking the next steps forward as a school, which is super exciting. Um, the main things we're going to talk about tonight, um, I, I want to talk about our academic program. We're going to be making some significant changes uh, in our courses and how we do our academic program. So that's, that's the, the number one thing I want to talk about. Uh, and the second thing I want to talk about is uh, increased student community. We want to really emphasize community and getting people plugged in and connected uh, here at Signum University. And we're going to talk about uh, ways we're going to do that. And then third, I want to talk about our public programs. We have, of course, a number of programs with uh, you know stuff available for free for people. And we're going to be adding some new things and doing some new things there as well. So we're going to, we're going to end up talking about that. Um, and um, 
So anyway, so that's the, so the plan for tonight. That's the stuff kind of coming up. But now let me anticipate a question that I know you're going to ask. Uh, and that is, I know someone is, is or several people uh, are going to want to ask about our progress in the accreditation process. So let me address that right here at the beginning. Um, uh, first of all, the, the, the what I would like to, of course, I mean, let me start off by saying, as before, in case you didn't hear me say it before, I can't. I'm, I'm legally obligated not to give you a very specific update about where we are in the process and what's going on and, and, and everything. It's, it's actually part of the rules. Um, you know, like the first rule of the accreditation process is that you don't talk about the accreditation process. I, I, it's, I didn't make that rule. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of that rule, but it is the rule. Uh, and I can't give really almost any specifics, but I do want to say this. Um, really, everything that we're going to be talking about tonight pretty much is an accreditation update, uh, if that um, uh, if that makes sense. Basically, um, the thing that we're... We think about the accreditation process. Um, the accreditation process is like 80%, at least 80%, preparing ourselves to be looked at by the accreditors, right? Um, and of course, there are enormous quantities of reports and documents that we have to prepare. And that's been our focus most of the way through. Um, we've been making a lot of progress towards building all those things that we have to do and everything. But even more important, really, than just the sort of the documentation uh, that we uh, um, th that we have to submit, you know, that we have to prepare and submit, uh, even more important is sort of the, the, the programs and initiatives that have to be implemented and that have to be shown to be implemented. Basically, it's, again, it's not just we have to make ourselves look good on paper or, you know, sort of go through and, fill, you know, check in all the boxes uh, on, uh, uh, you know, on, on the, but we also have to be able to, to show them. We, you know, what we do uh, is what you want to see us doing. Um, and that is much more challenging. It requires much more, as hard as it is, as challenging as it is to do all the reports and write all the papers. Um, actually putting all the systems and programs in place is a much bigger deal uh, and much more challenging to do. Um, that's the, really the big step that we're taking now. And this, the things that we're going to be putting in place that I'm going to be talking about here today, I hope you'll begin to see the picture by the end of the session here tonight of how much closer this gets us to uh, operating. My The phrase I kept using last year when we were, we do, did had that revolution that I described in the way we operated as a staff and faculty. Um, the word I kept using is like, you know, Signum is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to become a grown-up institution, right? We're, we're, we're going to operate like a real grown-up, you know, uh, company, well, non-profit company anyway. Um, and we have. And that's, again, that, that has been super successful over the last year. Um, now, this next step that we're going to be taking in, 20, in 2016 to 17 uh, is going to be us operating like a real grown-up school, right? Like a like a like a, a, an institution of higher education um, that we are ready to invite anyone to come and look at. That we're really proud of. Um, and I mean, of course, I'm already proud of everything that we've achieved at Signum. But you know what I mean. You know, I mean, those of you who have been. I mean, I know people on this list. Uh, you know, my attendee list that I'm looking at now have been with us forever, right? And you guys know. Um, how much of a shoestring we have operated on, you know, how we have built what we've done here at Signum from scratch and how much we've kind of over the years scrambled around and, uh, you know, tried to kind of piece things together. Um, we are, 
uh, changing the way that we uh, that we do things, and, and again, sort of becoming a real grown-up uh, institution of higher education, and that's going to be really really fun. Once we're ready for the initial evaluation, you know, for the actual evaluation in the accreditation process, the evaluation itself is actually not that long. Um, again, the challenge is putting us in a place where we can really be standing firmly uh, and be ready to have, you know, all the light shown into, you know, all the places uh, in our uh, in our system and, and to really stand up to that scrutiny. Um, so anyway, as I said, I hope that you will see how the things I'm going to be describing are a really big step towards accreditation. Um, so thank you again, as always, for understanding for understanding that. Okay, well, our first big piece of news uh, tonight is probably one you've already seen or already noticed, but of course, uh, we have a new website. This has been a major project that's been going on uh, for some months, and I wanted to wanted to show that here. Uh, this is the new Signum University website, which is uh, now full of lots of relevant and useful information. Um, we now have... Signum University, that uh, the new Signum University site is, again, it's like a real grown-up uh, uh, website for, uh, uh, for, for a school. So let me point out a few things. Um, first of all, before I do anything else, I want to uh, do you know, some thanks to people who work really hard on our website and putting our website together. I want to thank Kelly Fancher for all the work that he did in helping to set up. You know, he's the one who handles our, 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 our hosting and, and, uh, and you know, all those uh, behind the scenes stuff that I mostly don't understand how they work. Um, so I'm, I'm especially grateful, uh, and dependent, uh, upon, uh, upon Kelly for this. So, uh, so yeah, find it yourself, go to signumuniversity.org and wow, you'll be amazed. Um, but of course, primarily I want to thank Curtis Wayatt, who has, uh, who, you know, whose work most of this website really is, uh, and he's poured so much of himself into this. Uh, so grateful for his expertise and for his uh, his his really tireless work uh, in putting this together. Um, so, you if you want to sort of learn more, again we have like lots of actual relevant stuff about who we are and what we do. If you ever you know have a hard time kind of explaining to somebody like what is it this signum thing and what makes us different. Like you can even read our mission statement and find out more about who we are and what we're doing. It's pretty cool. Um, so, uh, but there are some specific features and pages that you, of course, I leave you to browse this at your leisure, but there are a couple things that I particularly want to draw your attention to that uh, uh, Curtis had asked me to make sure that you guys all knew. First, if you're looking for something and you can't find it, uh, don't miss the, the, the search icon is kind of hidden amongst the social media icons up here. Um, so it can be easy to overlook. Once you click on it, you won't overlook it. So, uh, so there you go. So if you want to search for something on the site, I uh, just want to make sure to, to draw your attention to that little magnifying glass up there. Uh, second thing is, of course, if you do, if, if you are searching and you still can't find what you're looking for, you can always get in touch with us. So Sigmund University, oops, sorry, what happened to me here? Here we go. Sigmund University, contact us and... Um, so you can contact us. This is get our the email address, phone number, postal mail. If you're really <laughs> insistent, I don't recommend postal mail, uh, really, uh, in the 21st century, but Hey, you know, there it is. Um, uh, and, uh, and our contact form. And, and of course, if you do reach out to us really by almost any of these methods, um, you, you will be, uh, handled by our, our wonderful, 
the door ward of Signum University, um, who will probably not permit you uh, to bring your ancient swords uh, inside the hall, but she can hurt. She can. Always, I can always trust her judgment on uh, whether or not to, you know, permit somebody to bring their staff in. Um, anyway, this is Sharon Hoff, uh, and she has. Uh, she's been one of the one of those really great changes that's happened uh, over this past year, uh, and her work in both assisting me and in uh, 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 really helping to facilitate. If you uh, if you have anything, any questions, like you don't know. You know, you have a question about something at Signum University and you don't, you're not sure whom to ask about it. Uh, just use one of these contact links, uh, send a note to Sharon and she will get you in touch with whomever you need to be gotten in touch with. Um, uh, the other thing that, of course, I wanted to point out here on the new page is uh, there is now excellent and up-to-date information, some of which is, is, you know, has never really been presented like this before, about, you know, our degree and its requirements. It's kind of an amazing thing, right? So in the admissions tab here, um, you know, you find great general information like how our courses work and uh, the application link and everything. On the graduate program tab here, um, you can find the, this page on the MA in Language and Literature. Uh, we'll bring you to a page that actually tells you about the program, uh, some background as to why we do what we do and who we are, and actuals, some actual the actual degree requirements. Uh, listed down here. Um, we have a page that was on that same tab that I was just showing you on our thesis guidelines. Uh, so if you want to know um, about what our thesis is and how it works, lots of information here and links to contact our thesis coordinator, uh, Serena Higgins. So um, that's, again, that's all newly packaged information for everybody um, that we are delighted to have here all in one place. Um, financial information, sometimes I, I, there have been occasions recently when people have been having a hard time finding what our courses actually cost and what our tuition is. We're not ashamed. We're not trying to hide it um, because it's actually kind of a feature here at Signum. Um, but of course, this is the page that explains our tuition uh, and uh, explains all this stuff. So Anyway, um, so that's that. We also have a course catalog, right? A listing of all of the courses we have ever we have ever offered. So if you want to search through and kind of browse through the courses that we have, you know, you might see courses on a list. As for instance, perhaps some of the list I might be showing you later on this evening. Um, and you want to learn more about those? Well, go to the course catalog, and you can read all of the descriptions and you know, like, what is this Lovecraft class about? You can find out what the Lovecraft class is about, and you will uh, be able to see even the week-by-week -week breakdown. So all of these pages are now here in our course catalog, which is pretty cool. Um, and there will be a couple other things that I will be uh, showing you as we go along here this evening, but that's kind of that's kind of the basics. Links up here at the top for the MythGuard.org page, which is still the old MythGuard.org page. It'll be uh, it'll be changing over at some point too. Our film film page. Um, uh, so anyway, lots of uh, lots of good stuff. So that's that's one that's one thing. This is just like the the, the new the new web page, uh, which is really cool. This is like the warm up act for the stuff that's going to be coming this coming year, right? That's just the that's, that's, that's just the very beginning of things. So okay. Um, I want to talk about the academic program now. So I, I hinted that the academic program is going to undergo some, some really major changes. The first and biggest change of um, 
the for the academic program is really basically a philosophical shift in how we think about our program, how we as Signum think about our program, and how you as students think about our program. Um, to this point, basically, over the first few years of our program, we've we've always focused on courses. I mean, of course, as you know, if you've been here, like the big thing is always like, which courses are going to be offered next year? And there's like the big moment when we release and now featuring the courses for next term. Aren't these courses awesome? And don't you want to take them? And, you know, they are and it's cool. Um, you know, basically, in other words, our, our focus has been delivering a series. Our focus has been on delivering a series of really cool courses. Right. And although we've been able to sort of repeat some classes occasionally, um, we, you know, generally have been focusing on, on, on bringing brand new classes every semester uh, as much as possible and, uh, and just kind of, you know, enticing people with, uh, with new stuff. Now, this is great. And it was really necessary, of course, as we we're building the program from scratch, right? In our first few years, of course, how could we help having new classes every semester? Uh, and that was a really great place to be in. And it has been really fun. But there's a problem with this, right? Uh, a problem which uh, sort of means that like, that kind of mentality can't really continue indefinitely. Because, of course, when we're thinking that way about our courses and when we're encouraging you to think that way about our courses, we don't really develop a regular course of study for our students who are wanting to pursue a degree, right, and work ultimately towards their thesis and complete our program. We want our students to be able to undertake a cohesive series of courses in which they can explore their chosen area of interest. I mean, what a concept, right? Actually be able to plan uh, your academic program. Um, and, and again, with many people even having their thesis or some kind of thesis concept in mind, or if you don't have it in mind at the beginning, um, you're much more likely to get there if you're actually pursuing a more sort of logical and cohesive set of courses um, as you go through. This, of course, has been impossible in the past when our course offerings have been as ad hoc and unpredictable as they've had to be, you know, with the way that things have always been. Also, we've reached the point where continual novelty is actually kind of a detriment to our program. We have a, a bunch of newer students. I, I, again, I see on the list there, you know, several of our students who have just joined the program in the last couple semesters who are here this evening. And I know that you, who are, who are new to the program, have frequently asked things like, hey, I, we've seen references to all these awesome courses you've offered. When are they coming up again? Right? And we've never really been able to answer that question really clearly or really sort of promise uh, when we were going to be able to, uh, uh, to, to do those again. So the shift, therefore, is away from thinking, just thinking of like, what's the next set of brand new classes going to be offered this coming semester? But rather, instead of just thinking about the courses and the new courses to come, thinking about the program as a whole, okay? Um, and one of the things that we're doing to sort of encourage everybody to focus uh, on this, to sort of think in this new way, is we are introducing official concentrations uh, into our degree. Now, these have kind of informally existed, of course. People have always been sort of choosing courses they were interested in. There are some people who take every Tolkien class that we offer because Tolkien studies is really where their heart is. You know, others who have been kind of leaning more towards the, the, the sort of science fiction and other imaginative lit side and everything. You know, some who are uh, hugely gung-ho uh, for our, you know, language stuff and the philology courses and all those things. Um, so we've 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 officially formed three concentrations. Let me um, so and just and those as I was just hinting at: uh, Tolkien studies, imaginative literature, and Germanic philology. Um, so uh, those are th these are our three official concentrations. We will probably 
be adding more as we go through. In fact, there's a fourth concentration that we're still kind of working on, um, which we may be able to sort of make official uh, fairly soon, um, which, is a, uh, which is a concentration in basically older literature, ancient medieval and Renaissance literature. Um, so uh, anyway, but for now, these are our three uh, current concentrations. Uh, and I, here's what I, here's like what it means for us to be having these, uh, these concentrations. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. So if we go to the language and literature section in academics, we see pages for our concentrations. I'm going to show you the Tolkien studies one as an illustration. So, okay, this is the Tolkien studies concentration page, right? To talk about our Tolkien studies program. Again, we don't want you to just think like, hey, we like regularly trot out some cool Tolkien courses. We do, and we still will, but I want you, I want to, to encourage you instead to be thinking about a Tolkien Studies program, um, thinking about actually like focusing on getting a degree in Tolkien Studies. Um, so this page, our new, our new page here, tells us about the, you know, the, you know, why to do the program and like what Tolkien Studies and stuff is about. As you can see, uh, information on our primary faculties, uh, fa faculties primary faculty. And now here, uh, I would like to draw your attention to this, especially our list of courses in Tolkien studies. And now here's the thing. Here's the thing that we've never said before and will now be officially true. We are promising that we are going to schedule to offer every single one of these classes, not just again soon, but every two years on a two-year repeating cycle all of these courses will be offered so that whenever you enter, so that you don't have the experience. And I know some of our, some of our uh, uh, new students have felt like this in the past. Um, you know, that like, oh, you just missed this really awesome course and goodness, maybe it won't show up for another four years or so. You know, you missed out. Um, it's not going to be like that. Whenever you enter the program, uh, it, it, you will be able to uh, you will be able to, to sort of jump in and do the program in an efficient amount of time or to take longer uh, if, you, uh, um, if, you, if you want to. Now, you'll notice that this is not just like an actual list of classes that we promise that we're going to offer regularly, but we also have like planning involved in this. Again, we're not just doing this ad hoc anymore, kind of as lecturers are becoming available as we've done in the past. Um, you'll see that there's a mixture of classes here within our Tolkien Studies program, where you can have both a mix of classes on the, uh, classes directly on the primary texts, right? Story of the Hobbit, my class on the Hobbit, uh, Verwin Flieger's wonderful Tolkien's word, World of Middle-Earth class, which is like her, her Lord of the Rings seminar, essentially. Um, the Beyond Middle-Earth class that I offered with Tom Shippey, um, where we're looking at Tolkien's non-Middle-Earth uh, writings, uh, the poetry class, but then also there's a bunch of classes which sort of encourage you to be able to go deeper and to look at sort of other elements of, you know, not just the study of the primary text, things like Tolkien and tradition, where we're looking at the relationship between Tolkien's writings and the ancient works that he really loved, looking at uh, Tolkien and the Kalevala, Tolkien and the Arthurian tradition, Tolkien and the and, and the uh, Norse Eddas, right? Um, and uh, or uh, the Lewis and Tolkien class that I offered, where I do a close comparison of C.S. Lewis's works and Tolkien's works, and look at kind of the relationship and the similarities and differences among them. John Garth's wonderful Tolkien's Wars and Middle Earth class, looking at uh, his time in World War One uh, and the the ways in which that impacted his life, and really thinking about the relationship between 
uh, Tolkien's early life and his early works and how that formed uh, his mythology. Really, really cool stuff. Shippy's uh, Beowulf class, of course. Um, so we, ha- we have this, this mixture of classes. And again, these are going to be offered in such a way that you can build yourself. And knowing that they're going to be offered, uh, you know, each one of these is going to be offered every two years. Um, knowing that you can really build your own program and, and plan your way through the course of study that you want to do. Um, so that's what's going to be happening. Pretty cool, huh? That's going to be um, um, uh, that's going to be uh, pretty 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 funny. Yeah, <laughs> Jim Hart says that's an all-star pitching rotation, isn't it? Though I mean, it's kind of fun, right? I mean, I, it's and Jim, I'm going to be coming back to that in a second because that's one of the things that I find really exciting about this uh, about this whole thing. Um, uh, anyway, okay, so I mentioned the fourth concentration that's going to be coming as well. Uh, we already have a bunch of classes that are focused on uh, medieval stuff. We're having, a, 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 as I'll be showing you, a, a Renaissance medieval class that's coming up soon, a new one. Um, and by the way, I should add, this doesn't just mean we're only going to be teaching these same classes. There will also be new classes coming in, not with as much frequency. We're not going to have three brand new classes every term the way that we've done in the past. Um, but that doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that we're never going to have new classes again. There definitely will be, uh, will be others. Um, but, um, okay. So let me uh, go through and make sure I'm, I gotta make sure I'm explaining everything here. Um, okay. Um, oh, also one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, this, uh, there's one other change that's going to be happening within, within our program, really within our program requirements. And that is, Coming this coming this spring, spring of 2017, we're going to be offering a new course, which is a long overdue course, uh, which is going to be a, a course called Research Methods, an introductory course on writing research methods and literary theory. Really, kind of a, a, a the a really necessary orientation to graduate study in uh, literature and language um, that I know a lot of people have um, have really wanted to have and have really kind of wished for, and we've never been able to offer before, but we're going to be starting to offer that in the spring. Um, and that's something that we're, we're going to, we're going to want all of our, our, our new students to take. Um, so, okay. Now, several of you are, are already asking questions, which, um, uh, which are exactly what I was anticipating. That is, okay, how are we going to do all this, right? I mean, we've been offering like two to at, you know, two to at most four classes per term, uh, you know, rarely more than 10 in a given year. And then here I'm, I'm saying we're going to do all these classes every two years plus, you know, two other concentrations, right? You know, uh, how are we going to, how are we going to do all those? Um, uh, let me explain. Um, the restriction of our semester reschedule has been our biggest restriction. We've never been able to afford to offer more than three classes per term um, for with the addition of the language class. Um, starting this fall, we're going to we're 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 blowing the doors off. Beginning in this fall, we're going to offer six classes in the fall, six classes in the spring. Um, but now let me explain the breakdown here, as you will notice and several of you have already noticed. Um, yeah, no, it's not rings of power, Tom, nor is the uh, other time turners involved. Um, but again, going back down, uh, back down here, as many of you know, uh, Verlin Flieger uh, had, had, has 
Okay, she's re-retired. She was already retired when she uh, began teaching uh, for us. Um, and uh, she's, uh, but she's recently, due to family circumstances, kind of re-retired. And she's not able to teach regular courses with us anymore. Um, how we are going to do our classes starting this coming fall is through a mixture of pre-recorded lectures and live lecture classes. Okay, um, So we're going to have the six classes. Of those six classes that we're offering this fall, two of them are going to be new live classes, which are just like the classes that we've already run. Instead of running that third live class that we've always run before, we're going to replace it with three other classes, which is going to be in which we're going to use the, the, pre the, the recordings of the lectures from the last time we ran the class, as well as live preceptor sessions. So students who take these classes will be getting the same lectures, really exactly the same lectures as uh, the last time the class was run. And they're also going to have the same interactions, the same relationship with their preceptors um, that they would have had in other circumstances. Um, I, it is also my hope, uh, certainly my plan, uh, with regards to classes that I have taught in the past. Uh, some of my classes are going to be taught uh, with the, the pre-recorded lectures as well. Um, but uh, when, I, when we do that, I'm hoping to have a few sort of bonus sessions where I'll come in and do uh, some live kind of extra lecture Q&A kind of, kinds of stuff. Um, so we'll do some supplementation there. But basically, it's going to be like the language classes that we've been doing. Those of you who have taken our language classes are already familiar with this model, where you have the uh, you have the the lectures which you watch according to a weekly schedule, but on your own time and at your own convenience. But you still have the in-depth preceptor sessions um, that you are working through. So again, the, the, it's going to be our six courses are going to be a mixture to the two live courses and the uh, the the ulti ultimately four, counting the lecture. Uh, let me uh, let me show you what that is actually uh, gonna gonna look like. Um, move this. All right. In the fall, here's what we're doing. Um, okay. So, uh, in the fall, we're offering the, these six classes: the Beowulf Translation Seminar. The, uh, a new class called Folk Folkloric Transformations, uh, offered by Dimitri Femi. So it's going to be a new course from Dimitri Femi, um, who is going to be, uh, uh, and this is going to be a new live course. Um, and then the Story of the Hobbit class that hasn't been offered since spring of 2013. Uh, it's been what, like three and almost four years uh, since I first taught that class, um, uh, which at the time actually received the highest enrollment we still have ever had, I think that one still holds the, the all-time record for all-time enrollment. Um, uh, and, but anyway, so there's the story of the Hobbit class, uh, Sherlock and Ratiocination uh, by Amy Sturgis, Tolkien and Tradition, uh, which I was just explaining by Verlin Flieger, and the Intro to Anglo-Saxon class again with Michael Drought, uh, which we ran for the first time last fall. Um, as before, we did this, we instituted this a few semesters back, our commitment to run our, our language courses in a regular cycle. We're going to be continuing to do that with an addition, as I'm going to show you soon. Um, okay, so these are our courses now of the, oops, of these, yeah, here we go. Of these, again, so we have the two classes, which are both new and, you know, uh, live, you know, entirely live, no pre-recorded content uh, in these two. These are going to be pre-recorded classes um, with the live preceptor with the live preceptor sessions always, of course. 
Um, so that's what we're doing in the fall. In the spring, uh, we're going to have six courses again. Um, we have, of course, our new, as I mentioned, our new, uh, our new uh, research methods class, uh, which is taught by Carl Person and Serena Higgins and I. We're all, it's actually going to be sort of a big collaborative team effort. There'll probably be others that we're going to bring in uh, to uh, teach some of the different elements of that class. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, a, a new class called Shakespeare in the Middle Ages uh, uh, with Liam Daly and Faith Acker uh, as the lecturers. Many of you will know those two uh, as they've been preceptors with us. In fact, Liam and Faith were the first, were the two original, they were the original preceptorial team in the very first class we ever offered in the fall of 2011. Liam Daly and Faith Acker uh, were the two preceptors for that class with me. So um, uh, anyway, so the two of them are going to be co-teaching uh, this class on Shakespeare in the Middle Ages, which should be really fun. Um, and then we're going to be offering Tolkien's World of Middle-earth from Verlin Flieger, the Harry Potter saga, and my Lewis and Tolkien class um, as a, on a pre-recorded basis. And again, the, for the top two are new uh, and going to be live lectures, and the, these, the bottom ones are pre-recorded. But did you notice the other thing that we're offering in the spring? An intro to Old Norse, which we've been working on for a while. Um, I can't tell you who the lecturer is because we were still one step away from absolutely confirming him. But I, I feel confident enough uh, to, uh, uh, to put it on and say we're going to do this in the spring. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, a curse is always a chance that something could go wrong. But I think it's going to I think it's going to work out. Um, we, we've been excited to offer Old Norse uh, for a while. And it's going to be a great addition to our uh, Germanic philology concentration so that you'll not only be able to do um, uh, our Anglo-Saxon sequence, um, that is Intro to Anglo-Saxon, the Beowulf Translation Seminar, and Tom Shippey's Beowulf class uh, in a Beowulf lecture, um, but also Old Norse, and we're hoping to introduce some other, some other follow-up Old Norse classes uh, that, uh, that you can use uh, for that. So yeah, yeah Erica gives the the uh, Old Norse class, a big thumbs up. Absolutely, Erica. Um, exactly. Kay, the, the recorded classes will be even easier to fit into schedules. Exactly. Um, you won't have to worry about the lectures and, and, and uh, being in time for the lecture. I know a lot of our students watch the lectures, watch the recordings of the lectures anyway, because they can't make the time of the lectures. Um, and yes, so the only thing that is at a set time is the preceptor sessions. And as always, with the when scheduling the preceptor sessions, we you know, work with our students and, and, uh, and try to set those at a time that will actually, that will actually work. Um, yeah. So, and, and what, let's see. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, good, good. Um, <laughs> Dan Kinney is lamenting that he was too prompt in fulfilling his, his, his credit hours and he's, he's missing all of these great classes. Um, yeah, Jim Hart was just saying the same thing. How am I ever supposed to ta stop taking classes and write a thesis? I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Um, uh, it's actually one of the reasons that we, uh, you may remember, if I can bring back our website here for a second, uh, you may remember that a couple semesters ago, we started a new thing, which was uh, uh, the auditing now, auditing is not a new thing. It's been going on forever. But the new discussion auditor level, um, you know, the, the comments you guys are making are actually one of the things that we really kind of took into account. We heard from a bunch of our students who are almost finished or who have just finished, who are basi have basically been saying, um, wait, uh, 
I've been doing these classes mostly for fun. Does, um, if I'm graduating, does that mean I have to stop now? <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, you know, on the one hand, we're kind of scratching our heads and we're like, well, sort of, yes. I mean, like legally, we can't just let you keep accumulating credits infinitely. Um, like that, the accreditors frown upon that kind of thing. Um, uh, so, but we did want to, we, but at the same time, I see no reason if there are people who still really want to, you know, be in a class and be in the discussion group, basically be, be a part of things, but they don't need the credit anymore because they've completed the program. Why shouldn't they be able to do that? Why shouldn't they be able to stay involved? And of course, we have always had some auditors who would really, really want to be in the discussion group, and we've never been able to accommodate that before. So the discussion auditor seat uh, was really designed uh, in large part uh, to enable uh, people to continue. So remember, we're going to be... Uh, we're going to be offering these courses on a regular cycle, so uh, you will have you will have even if you can't take them this time around, you will have uh, uh, you will have plenty of chances here. So, uh, yeah, no, no, Dan, there's no need to uh, there's no need to assume to assume a new identity. Yeah, no, no, that's that's really not necessary. Um, yeah, yeah, good, good, okay. Um, so uh, th anyway, that's just to answer those questions. Um, let me, where else? Oh, yeah, summer. I didn't get as far as summer. There, Wait, there's more. Okay, so in the summer, first thing you'll notice, of course, is it's a shorter list. This is because in the past, it's always been true that fewer of RMA students are able to take classes for credit in the summer just because of travel conflicts and things like that. It's just, it's not as good a time uh, for course taking. Uh, so we have fewer. Instead of the six, we have four. And of these, only the one of them is, uh, uh, is a, a new live class, and that is a new class taught by another one of our preceptors, um, uh, Sarah Brown, who's offering a class called Tolkien and Modern Anxieties, looking at uh, 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 Tolkien's work and sort of 20th century culture uh, and the interactions between them. It should, it should be a really fun class. Uh, and then we're offering my Beyond Middle-Earth class, uh, the one with me and Chippy, uh, Demetra Femi's Celtic Mythology and Children's Fantasy Literature class. We'll be, we'll be re-offering that again. She taught that a couple years back, and it's never been offered again. Um, so, uh, so actually, you'll be, you'll be able to take two Demetra Femi classes this term, or this year, um, if you do that. And then again, uh, Latin one, we're, we're again in continuing our language rotation so that we always have those running on a regular basis. So these are the classes. Now, so first of all, you see the difference here, right? I mean, those of you who have been around for the longest will appreciate this the most. Not only are we offering so many more classes per term, but when was the last time you ever saw me say, here's the list of courses we're going to be offering three semesters from now? Easy answer. Never. We've never done that. I've barely, I've barely uh, been able to. T sometimes, you know, goodness, there were times when I didn't know for sure until a few weeks before the start of the term. I mean, there was a time when we were there. Um, uh, we're not there anymore. We're nothing like there anymore. Again, those are the kinds of changes that have been happening over the course of this past year. Um, but, um, but we have this. Indeed, uh, I have to confess to you. Uh, that uh, uh, Serena Higgins and I, Serena Higgins is the chair of the Department of Language and Literature, and she and I have actually worked out the rotation of classes. We, we have the full schedule of classes all the way through fall of 2019, I think. We worked it out at least three or four years, at least a good three years. Most of the fourth year from now, we have already mapped out. Um, and Lin, yeah, Ch the Chaucer class is going to come back. Um, it, it's not going to be in this coming year, but it'll, be, it'll definitely be offered in the next academic year after that. So yeah, yeah, the Chaucer class is going to come back. It's going to be on on the 
one of those on the regular cycle um, as well. So, uh, uh, and as I mentioned, like how the, the Anglo-Saxon sequen uh, sequence is going to be offered. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, good. Um, so, let me uh, let me just go back for a second. There are, of course, three reasons why we're shifting our our approach here. Um, we've haven't really done this before. I mean, as you know, those of you who've been here for a while, offering these classes with the pre-recorded lectures and the preceptor. I mean, we've had that model with our language classes. We've never done that with literature classes before. There are really three reasons why we decided to to make that shift. First, of course, is uh, apart from like, the desire to build our program and offer more courses, but uh, but even beyond that, there are three other reasons. One is that th there are it greatly increases the flexibility of scheduling. Um, that is to say, we're not we don't have to worry about um, lots of things conflicting with each other. It enables us to schedule things in advance, right? I, the biggest problem we've had is in lining up all of the live lectures to make sure that they're able to teach during that time. Uh, it's It's been very difficult. And one of the chief reasons why we have never been able to say down the road here, two semesters from now is the class that we're going to offer. Um, we could never do that before. Um, but uh, but now it's one. So it enables us to, to build a, a, a dependable, predictable class rotation. Another reason, of course, as several of you have already noticed, is that a bunch of these lectures are not available anymore. Uh, Dr. Shippey and Dr. Flieger have kind of re-retired. It's, it's, you know, they, they were retired before they began, and they didn't retire at the minimum age. You know, it's, it's been, uh, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's been challenging. They're, they're, it's hard for them to be available for a full 12-semester, 12-week uh, semester class uh, anymore. And here we have in our vaults, Right, these incredibly valuable courses. I mean, Tolkien and Tradition taught by Verlin Flieger. What a wonderful class. I mean, almost nobody knows better the, 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 the relationship between Tolkien and those sources. Nobody knows the Kalevala better than Verlin Flieger. Uh, and nobody has thought more about Tolkien's relationship with the Kalevala uh, than, than, than Verlin Flieger. Um, so, I mean, just throwing one thing off the top of my head, and of course I don't need to tell, I don't need to, to, to rave to you um, about... Um, about Tom Shippey's classes, for instance, but of course there's there's others, right? You know, going going here, going backwards for a second. Um, Amy Sturgis's class, of course, as many of you know, uh, you know, due to due to personal circumstances, uh, Dr. Sturgis isn't able to to teach with us live classes anymore. Um, you know, the Star Wars class that she taught in the fall was unfortunately her last. I don't know if maybe she'll be able to be back another time in the future. I don't know, but we're not counting on it. I mean, she. You know, said that she couldn't anymore, and we are sad, but we but we respect that. But we have all of these awesome classes from her that we would love to be able to offer again, and I know that people would really love to be able to do so. Doing these, so that's another thing that's just a major benefit for us of doing these kinds of pre-recorded classes is it gives you know future generations of students the ability to benefit from the wonderful, wonderful teaching uh, that we have been so privileged to have here at Signum in our first. Uh, in our first few years. Um, the third reason why we're doing the pre-recorded courses is a little bit less um, uh, sort of, I don't know, spectacular, you know, a little bit less, but it's just kind of necessity. Um, we need to expand the courses that we are. We need to offer more, more classes per term, and, and we need to be able to offer it on, 
offer them on a dependable schedule if we're to build the kind of program um, that we want to and that we need to have. Um, but we're not, we're not big enough to support that if we're offering all of those classes live. It costs too much. Let me remind you about, uh, so not only is it difficult for scheduling, but it's, it's very, very expensive. Uh, let me remind you of a couple salutary financial facts, right? Um, the, I, was just, uh, I was just checking this uh, with uh, help from uh, one of our wonderful work-study students, Amy Truen, um, on uh, comparison of Signum University tuition to our sort of main competitors, right? Other online programs uh, that offer courses like ours. <laughs> Footnote. One of the things, of course, we found is that there still isn't anybody that really offers classes like ours. Um, even all of these courses that we were comparing to um, are still, their classes are still really just asynchronous. You just watch a few videos, do some discussion, but you know, really your only interaction with any kind of teacher uh, is on a discussion board or maybe by an email. Um, again, very different from the philosophy that we have in teaching these things, but even among those schools. Uh, take, you know, one thing that I would point to, it's always on my mind because I drive by one of their branch campuses four times a day, uh, is Southern New Hampshire University, which has become a major player in the online world, you know, the online education world over the last few years. Um, if you want to take a, a graduate course in, uh, in literature at Southern New Hampshire University, you will pay $627 per credit, not per course, Per credit, it costs almost two thousand dollars per course uh, to take your courses there, and they are famous uh, for being cheap and easy. Right? Easy they might be, I don't know, but cheap they ain't. Uh, certainly not compared to us. Uh, they charge more than three times what we charge. Um, almost, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, uh, uh, and of course, as I said, it's it's all asynchronous courses. And then there's the other end of things. In addition to charging, like. At most, half, uh, often a third or a quarter of what other online schools charge. We also pay our faculty way, way better than other places. Uh, most of these online schools, places like Southern New Hampshire, only pay their faculty between two and three thousand dollars total for the for for an, the entire work of like a twenty-five student class. For a twenty-five student class at Signum University, we will pay nine thousand dollars to the faculty. Um, uh, who are teaching that class. We believe in actually paying people what they, as, anyway, as close as we can get to what they deserve and, uh, uh, and certainly better than what uh, kind of the bitter cutthroat market um, of, uh, you know, adjunct pay in academia uh, generally, um, uh, generally allows. So we charge one third as much as our, you know, as like one of our main competitors and we pay three times as much uh, almost four times as much as uh, one of our major competitors, you can kind of see how this is really a very, very different model, right? And that's what we're... Oh, wait, no, wait, hang on, there's more. There's another factor, right? Here's another thing that most online schools do, where you have uh, lectures that are recorded by a faculty member, and those those recorded lectures become part of, you know, the sort of the, 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 the core of the, the asynchronous class that people are taking. Um, the, the other fun thing that so very often happens... A faculty member is paid to record the videos for the class, and then the school says, thank you, we own those videos now, and we will use them 
um, and we don't need you anymore. So they lay off the faculty member because they've got the videos now, right? Uh, and they own the videos so they don't have to pay the faculty member anymore. That kind of explo exploitation of faculty is sadly common um, and something that we, um, something that we uh, play absolutely no part in. Um, with our classes, whenever we're gonna be re-offering these classes that we've had before and using the, the, the recorded videos, we pay our faculty, you know, the former faculty who recorded those, we pay them royalties for every student who enrolls in those classes. It's like an author who writes a book and they get royalties on the sale. So it's their work that they put into that classes and goodness knows we couldn't do those classes without them. Uh, and we're very grateful for the work that they did. So, um, so all of our former professors, uh, you can you can know that all of our former professors are are uh, are still receiving financial benefit from those classes, even though uh, you know they taught them in some cases several years back. Um, yeah, yeah, good. Kate Neville says, as wonderful as the classes are, uh, and you know she's talking about all the wonderful lectures we've had. It's the preceptor sessions that make it valuable. The ability to talk through one's thoughts with other interested persons, like an online online inklings meeting. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, that's yeah, Kate. I agree. I mean, from the beginning, Signum has always been about uh, you know wanting to use internet tools for education, not as just a way to deliver content, right, which is the way that most online schools use them, um, but as a way to connect people, right? That's what it's all about. That's what the internet is awesome for. It's what the internet is really good for. Uh, and, uh, and that was kind of the initial concept that really started Sydney University. Um, way back in 2010, when I was running the Silmarillion seminar on the Tolkien Professor podcast, uh, that was the, the the sort of light bulb moment that I had that I was like, wow, you know, the ability to have this kind of discussion and really have this kind of dynamic virtual classroom online, you know, with people scattered all around the world. This is awesome. This is a thing that really needs to be done. Uh, so anyway, that's that's like the origin of Signum University, really. Um, and it's what we've always believed in and always will. We see ourselves as really a game changer in uh, in the world. I mean, we hope that we will be a game changer in the world of higher education. We just we, we're we're attempting to sort of hit the reset button and not really think about things the way that the way that other schools think about things. Um, it means, of course, you know, in some ways, it makes us vulnerable. Like I said, I mean, the you know, Carita says it sounds like a school started by teachers instead of business persons. It absolutely is, uh, and in fact, it's it, it, you could even go further, Carita, and say that it sounds like a thing that. Uh, you know, a, a sort of a, a business proposition that would make business people squirm. Um, you know, uh, many people would, you know, have told me in the past, they're like, you know, under undercutting your competitors price-wise is a, is a good move. But you don't have to undercut them that much, right? I mean, you know, it, it's, it isn't, but that's really not the point. Uh, the, the point is not to be... Um, basically competing in the same, with the same business model or anything like the same business model that other schools use, but rather to, sh to demonstrate. Um, you know, the, the Signum University program that we have built is our proof of concept that it doesn't have to work like it has always worked, that you don't have to use that model. We can, in fact, find ways, and we have found ways, uh, to offer courses at a tuition level that people, like normal people, can genuinely afford without having to go into debt to do it. Um, and also to make it an environment 
um, which can be a really positive work environment where, again, we're, we're not in the business of uh, exploiting the so easily exploitable faculty. Um, I say easily exploitable just because of the nature of the job market in academia today. Um, so um, anyway, yeah, that's um, uh, that's that's it's 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 the thing that we're trying to do. And this, so, so again, to you know, one other way of looking is that it is a necessity, right? We do we, in some ways, I would kind of I would think if we. Uh, if we could do all six of our classes live, if, if we could really, if, you know, if we could afford to do that, which we would, you know, as we grow and get more enrollments, we will. Our model is made for scale. So, you know, if we had, you know, 100 students enrolling in each one of our classes, we could, uh, uh, we could, we could, we definitely be able to do more. But then again, there's still then those other two issues, right? I want to be able to schedule them dependably. And I want to be able to offer Verlin Flieger and Tom Shippey and, and Demetra Femi when she can't come back and do them again and, and Amy Sturgis and all these other uh, teachers. I, I wouldn't want to lose them anyway. So, um, so uh, yeah, Karita, absolutely. When Signum is big and famous, you totally uh, get to be the hipsters who liked it before it was cool. You guys will have bragging rights absolutely forever. Um, uh, that's... Uh, uh, certainly, and you will, and 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 believe me, you all will never be forgotten. Certainly not ever by me. Uh, like I said, coming back to the very first comment I made about how wonderful it always is to see the attendee list at these talks. Um, okay, so that's a little bit about. Well, okay, one uh, one final thing to notice. So just kind of coming back to what I was emphasizing at the beginning about the um, uh, about the 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 sort of philosophical change to the program, right? Um, this new system is going to allow a much greater, uh, much more program planning on students' part. Um, it is going to mean a change of mentality for a lot of our students, right? Our previous system of just kind of spontaneous <laughs> new classes every term really kind of in encouraged students to get into a mode of sort of like the occasional sampling of classes, right? Um, you know, there have been many of our students who have just been like, you know, every semester they're like, so what courses are coming up? Nah, I think I'll wait till next semester, right? And they and they continue to, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're getting a they're getting an email from uh, uh, from Serena Higgins saying uh, it's time for you to begin thinking about your thesis, and they're like, "Whoa, I didn't realize I'd taken that many classes." I mean, that's that, that that's that's been a thing that's kind of happened. I know with many of our students, um, and because it's the mentality that our program as a whole has been in. Um, beginning now in this new program, we want to encourage our students to kind of be be more goal-oriented, at least a little more kind of big-picture focused, right? now that we're, like, giving you a big picture to focus on, right? Um, and, of course, we'll make it, uh, uh, it, it's, it... It will be easier to kind of be thinking things through, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of the ways in which we hope to support you uh, in that uh, as we move forward. One last point related to that, though, as well. It's also going to be easier for people to take multiple courses in a term if they want to. Um, of course, it's no problem. Most of our students have always... Uh, done one course at a time, uh, one course each semester, uh, because uh, certainly at the very beginning, in the you know, if, you, if you look back at sort of the first year of our program, a huge percentage, like more than 90% of our students were um, students who had been out of college for a significant period of time, um, decades in some cases, um, at, at least 10, 15 years in every case. I think that the average um, and I don't have exact data on this, but from what I know, like the, the, the mean age of our of our students 
uh, you know, three years ago was probably 40s, early 50s. There was much more, uh, uh, you know, people, the the first wave of our students, and many of you still here tonight, um, were people who were coming back to this, who had been waiting for the opportunity to do something like this and were, were delighted that this had kind of come up and, you know, the ability to jump back into this. But I will say, in the last year, year and a half, um, there's been a big shift with that. Of our new applicants to the program over the last year, year and a half, uh, many of them, really the majority of them, have been under 30. Um, and more and more nowadays, um, more of our more and more of our new applicants are coming either right out of college or they've only been out of college for a couple of years. And I know that that demographic of people, you know, people who are uh, who are newer from school and sort of just starting out in their careers rather than people who are much more advanced in their careers and sort of doing this on the side. Um, many people in that demographic are more likely to want to, you know, do the degree in a shorter, not just take one class a term for, you know, three, four years, but uh, but do the courses in a more concentrated way and finish in, you know, one to two years. That's going to be possible now. In the old days, that wouldn't even really, I mean, three courses a term. It's kind of, I mean, if they always offered, took every class that we offered, they could have done it, um, but that wouldn't have given them much choice or much ability to shape their program. Now people will be able to do that. A lot more, so there'll be much more options. Um, and uh, and so for people who are interested in uh, sort of taking our classes at a, at a sort of a more aggressive rate, uh, you will now uh, definitely be able to do that. Um, uh, Lexi asks a great question. With growth and future planning, do I think a doctorate will be possible? Possible. Um, but it's not a realistic thing within the, with, in a really short time. And the main reason for that, Lexi, is uh, the accreditation process. Um, we are working on the process for our MA degree. Um, and we can add other degrees after that. And that's another process. Now, the other additional process is much less onerous. Getting over the first, you know, getting getting the first approval is the major step. And additional steps are easier after that. But you actually can't do it instantly. So we're t- it's it, it would be, even if we did go that direction, and I'm not 100% sure that that would be our top priority, really. I mean, um, you know, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, but but yeah, even if we did do it and do it as fast as we possibly could, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be within the next few years. It could, I don't think it could possibly be um, in fewer than five at the absolute least um, would be my guess. But anyway, uh, just given all the factors. But um, but that, that, that's a good question, and one, of course, that, that, that people have asked before as well. Any other questions about the academic? I don't want to rush on, because I'm, I'm ready to shift to the second major topic. We talked about the academic program. I want to talk about student support and community next. Um, but um, anyway, any, any last questions about the academic program before we go on? course, teaching in this environment has taught me to pause longer than I usually used to pause in a, in a, in a, in a brick and mortar classroom. In a brick and mortar classroom, you always need to pause to give people time to decide whether they want to raise their hand. Here, I need to not only leave that, but make sure to leave time for people to type 
what they want to type. Uh, so, pausing. Okay. Of course, you can always come back and ask it later on as well. Okay, student support and community. So, um, uh, the biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenges I think for online learning as a whole is this question of community. I know a lot of people struggle with online classes. Um, you know, it's something, it's one of those things, you know, whenever you have a particular job or you're in a particular field and you tell people like at a cocktail party or something what you do and there's a, you get used to like the one or two things that random people almost always say in response to whatever you do. Like when I used to just say I'm an English professor, you could always count like 75% of the people that you were talking to would immediately make some crack about like, oh, I better make sure to be careful to use proper grammar, which is kind of silly. But um, anyway, when I talk about like, oh, I run an online uh, uh, program, the thing that people say to me a lot is, oh, I tried online education, it doesn't work for me. And I, I, you know, I have found that a really kind of fascinating comment, and I, I'm usually it's usually not socially appropriate for me to probe very deeply into that uh, comment. But that when I have sort of carried on those conversations a little bit further, the primary thing that I find from people who find that online education doesn't work for them, um, uh, apart from the fact that obviously they haven't tried Salem University, is that basically most for most people in most places and at most schools. Online education is mostly independent learning, right? I mean, it's a lonely world and there's very little peer support. There's very little contact with faculty and there's very little peer support. Um, you're just kind of on your own and you've got to go through. And this is why, I mean, one of the things that I find kind of sad when I'm looking, you know, like when I'm online and I'm seeing banner ads for, uh, you know, for online schools, which, since I do a lot of web searching for stuff related to online schools, I get a lot of uh, banner ads um, about online schools. And when I do, I find that so many of them, they don't talk about learning. They don't talk about courses. They don't talk about stimulating programs. They talk about getting a degree, right? Like they, they brag about how quick it is to get a degree. Come here and get your degree in less than a year. Um, which is cool, I guess. I mean, if all you want is a degree uh, for a you know practical reason, like you need a degree in order to get a promotion, so you you know you push the button and you get a degree and you get a promotion. I guess like that's cool. I have no problem with that. But but anyway, it's just like I said, it's sort of a lonely world. Um, uh, Signum's always been different. I mean, I talked about this before about where Signum started and and how our focus has always been on on connecting people, and yet. To this point, our focus has really mostly been on connecting teachers and students, right? That is, the focus has been on establishing connections pedagogically, um, but uh, we haven't really been able to focus much on peer support, on student community. Now, the student community within our program has been wonderful, far beyond the norm for an online institution. Um, the way in uh, uh, the way in which people have been able to connect to each other. I mean, like I know the, uh, the sort of the Mythgard Signum Facebook community. I, 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 I am aware that there is this uh, Mythgard Institute uh, 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 Facebook group, which I have deliberately never joined 
because uh, uh, I didn't want people to feel self-conscious. I was happy to know that there was this place where people were like all together and talking. I know that um, uh, that those are um, that's you know that's been a really vibrant community, but not everybody has Facebook and not everybody knows about it because it's, it's not it's not ever been an official like that group has never been an official uh, you know sort of an official Mythgard or Signum Run program. So we don't really know. We can't direct students to it. Um, anyway, um, student community has been awesome. You guys have been awesome. I have gotten to know you guys really well. I know that you guys have have really formed friendships within the Mythgard programs and within our Sigmund classes uh, for many years. But we want to do more. We want to do more to really encourage and to, both to support our students individually and to encourage community among those involved in our program. Um, I hope that people will feel at home here, will recognize that they're part of something really special. Um, one thing that I also noticed in the, in the cocktail party context is um, when people talk about doing online education, um, they don't say, I go to the school or I'm part of the school. They say, I took classes there. Right. Oh yeah, I took some classes, right? And I was like, that's so kind of sad, right? And, you know, you think about the kind of identification that people have with, you know, the undergraduate college that they attend, right? Um, you know, the sort of the lifetime affiliation that people so often feel uh, with their schools. Online programs just do not invite. They don't even ask for. Some of them seem not even to want that kind of identification, that kind of community. Um, I think we already have uh, something pretty close to that, and that's something that I really want to that I, that I really want to think about. That I really want to support. I want people to. I think I want people to feel at home here. I don't want our students to feel isolated and alone. You know, they're on their own with their own computers at home, and what do they do? And they don't know. You know, they don't know the ropes. And they are so thinking, of course, obviously, especially of new students. Um, I want our students to be able to be building connections and relationships. You know, that last throughout life, just like. You know, grad school is supposed to be, really. Um, now, the first goal that I had, you know, the, the first thing that we want to do is to ensure that all of our students get the support and guidance that they need from us. That's one thing that we have made some progress towards improving over this past year uh, and that we are going to, uh, um, that we're going to be increasing and improving as we move forward, uh, continuing to improve our orientation process so that students don't feel kind of at sea once they submit their application and get accepted. Um, we're going to be doing much more with academic advising so that students will actually have someone assigned to them that they know is assigned to them, um, whom they, you know, who will be helping to guide them through what do you need to do, how does the system work, um, how should you choose, your, choose and plan your classes, um, what do you need to do to, um, uh, to you know, move forward towards your thesis. We're also going to be instituting what we're calling a mid-program review. You know, when you get, uh, when you're in the MA program and you're halfway through the MA program, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of meet with you to talk with you. You know, what are you, how, what have you been thinking so far? Um, you know, as we working towards the thesis and sort of seeing how things are going. And, you know, so, so again, that people are not just sort of feeling like I'm kind of making this up as I go along. I don't know what I'm doing. And of course, the thesis advising, that's been one of the really, another really positive change. Uh, I'm so grateful for the work that Serena Higgins, our new department chair, again, new, one of the changes that happened during this past year, um, for all the work that she's done with that. Um, and I know that many of you who are are beginning the thesis process or in the middle of the thesis process right now have been working um, with Serena Higgins as she's been 
uh, helping you to both kind of being matchmaker to help you find uh, a good advisor for your thesis uh, and, you know, encouraging you through the process of coming up with your topic and thinking about that. Um, so we'll be continuing that and doing more of that. But again, not just sort of suddenly at the end of the program, right? Congratulations, you've taken like eight or nine classes. Time to start thinking about your thesis. But again, really thinking about that stuff all the way through so that the whole program that you're involved in has a more, has a more cohesive feel. Um, so again, it's not just the changes to the program. We're wanting to change the way that we interact and support our students through that. Uh, Sharon Hoff, our wonderful Dole Award, is uh, really at the helm of the new student support team uh, that we are building. Uh, that is going to be really focused on, on helping those things uh, happen and making sure to guide uh, people through. But there's a second element here, and that is, uh, as I said, not just academic support for students in our program, um, but to encourage greater interaction among our community. Uh, and for that, we have a new mechanism. Um, I want to introduce another new thing and that is the Signum University Community Hearth. Uh, I, with those of us who are coming up with this, we're sort of, we, we loved the idea, the, the image, the metaphor uh, of the hearth. And I have to admit that I myself was always thinking of Bilbo fantasizing about being in his armchair uh, uh, next to his own fire at home with the kettle just beginning to sing. Uh, it is my hope that the Community Hearth of Signum University will be one on which the kettle is always just beginning to sing. Um, and... Um, and the, you know a place where where everybody can come together. Um, the community hearth is going to be an online gathering place just for Signum folks. Um, and I guess you guys who are our students here are part of something special, and we want you to know that you're part of something special. Um, we we want to give you a place where you can talk with other people who are also a part of that special thing, not just being involved in a, in, a, in a more general sort of social media discussion. Um, but uh, uh, but to be coming to a to a uh, to a place where you know you are you are here within our community, the mechanism that we currently have it might change someday as we get better software systems. Um, but for now, we're going to be using our Moodle system uh, for this. Moodle, of course, uh, all of you are, are are probably familiar with. This is our learning management system to use the. Uh, the lingo of the field. Anyway, it's it's where our online course information is, and you know everyone who's taken a course with us has used this uh, before. Um, the community hearth. Now the community hearth is just being set up. So if you go to your Moodle installation, you might not see it. You might not be in it yet. Uh, we're working on populating it and getting everybody plugged in uh, where they should go. So I. So, but I'm just going to show you a little bit about what it looks like, so you can see the kinds of things that we're going to be doing. Um, when you come to the Moodle page, you will see not only our language and literature classes, of course, of which there are many, uh, and our new MA thesis courses, of which there are fewer but important, but you also see our community hearth entry and lots of subdivisions under that. Um, uh, I will talk about these here uh, one by one. First of all, I want to uh, give a shout out to, to, to two people. Um, first, to Alyssa House Thomas, uh, who is the assistant, our, our assistant dean uh, in the language and literature program, uh, and uh, she's of, of course also one of our uh, one of our eminent alumni of the program. One of the uh, one of those of you is, again, of which I know there are many others here too, uh, who are part of that original first class ever taken, uh, ever offered here at Signum. 
University. Um, anyway, so Alyssa, she's also now working as our Moodle admin. She's taking care of all the Moodle stuff. Uh, so thanks so much to Alyssa for uh, figuring out this stuff. Uh, uh, she and I have been playing that fun game, well, fun for me anyway, where I say, okay, this is what I want to happen. Can you please figure out a way to make that happen, <laughs> right? And she's been, she's been wonderful about that. So, uh, so thanks very much to her. But thanks also... Uh, to another one of our illustrious alumni who is uh, has volunteered to come back and basically she's going to serve as our as our Hestia of the Signum Hearth, um, who uh, is going to be uh, basically overseeing and organizing uh, stuff and, you know, sort of be there to, to, to welcome and connect people. Uh, and that is, of course, the incomparable Sparrow Alden. Uh, who is going to be working with us uh, still or again or whatever it is. Anyway, so Sparrow is going to be um, uh, our, 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 our Hestia of the Hearth uh, here in the community hearth, uh, which, I'm, uh, uh, which I, I'm, I'm very grateful and excited for. Um, let me show you what exactly, uh, sort of what's going to be going on uh, here in different, these sort of several different areas of the, um, um, of the community hearth. Uh, first, these first two areas are just general hangout places. Everybody who's a part of the Signum community is going to be able to log in here. This is just where you're going to be able to uh, to, to 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 meet people, get involved in discussions. Just you know, the general community hangout is what we've uh, is 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 what we're calling it here. Again, it was so important to me to have a place, a forum, which is. Um, it has no distractions from outside, uh, you know, the Signum program. Again, not just part of general social media chatter, um, but is open to everybody in the Signum community so that there's a place that everybody in the Signum community can go to, you know, when they're feeling, you know, lonely and isolated and I'm here in this cold, heartless online education world. I want everybody to know that there's a place where you can go and where there are others uh, and, you know, where you can, you can meet and get to know people who are in the same program as you. We also have uh, these specific student support areas, um, which are basically forums for uh, uh, much more specifically. So the student lounge for people who are actually enrolled in our classes, especially uh, all of our uh, auditors and discussion auditors and credit students um, are going are they are uh, able to be in this uh, in this place. So basically, this is a place that the general community hangout. Um, as I'm going to talk about later, there will be others besides our credit and our credit students and auditors. Who are going to be able to have access to that as well. The student lounge is really for people who are in our program talking about our courses. You know, you want to you want to kind of hang out with other students and ask questions about how things are going. You don't just want to, you know, if you don't want to just kind of float that out in the in the in the general community hangout, you can go to the student lounge to to meet other students enrolled like you in the program uh, and really talk about where you are and what you're thinking about. Um, there's a, a forum for academic advising, and you know, we want I want to make sure. If you have a question, right, you don't know what's going on, you're not sure what you should do, you know, is there a strategy you should be taking, you know, what's going to be, what's going to be happening, we want to make sure that there's a place where you can go, where you can, you can post and get, and get answers to that, and, and, you know, have discussions, get support, both from your fellow students, and from Sigma Academic Advisors, and then finally, sort of most focusedly, the thesis support group, when you're working on your thesis, right, we want to have a place where people can go, well, okay, primarily to gripe and commiserate, because that's what people who are working on theses do, as I very well remember. But, uh, but you know, other other things as well. So this is a place where you can be communicating with a the thesis coordinator, again, where you can be uh, supporting each other 
um, you know, there are others going through the same thing that you're going through. So we want to be able to, uh, uh, to enable you guys to, to, to contact each other. Um, uh, we will also have some special interest discussion areas. Um, so I get places that are sort of focused for, and you know, one example that we've thrown out already and we can create more, this is the kind of thing based on sort of interest and demand that, that Sparrow will coordinate a creative writing group. A lot of our students are creative writers and, uh, have been really, um, uh, have been really wanting to find up, you know, a place where they can, uh, uh, you know, collaborate, you know, throw out, put their work out there and have it read and commented on and, uh, you know, get involved in a, in a, in a supportive discussion. Certainly the Signum community is one where we hope that people will be able to kind of find each other and, and build a supportive community there. Um, before you ask, cause I know some of you are going to ask, does this mean we are going to have a creative writing program? That is certainly on our list of goals. Uh, it's, I, it's not going to happen this coming academic year. That's why I haven't talked about it. Um, but, uh, it's, it's on the radar screen. It's on the radar screen. Um, so, uh, yes, glory and trumpets says uh, says Kay. Absolutely. Yes. Creative writing groups. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, uh and, and, and as I said, that's, this is just the one example that we have right now. Um, if there are other sort of special, special interest discussion areas, uh, that people, uh, that people want to have, you know, people want to do, um, have a, a sort of a specific, uh, discussion area, for instance, for uh, talking about conference papers, for instance, a lot of our students um, have, uh, you know, as they've gone through our program, have gone on to present papers at academic conferences, have gone on to publish articles in books and journals. Um, we, uh, uh, we have, um, there was a, a really fun example of the recent Harry Potter uh, collection of essays that was published, uh, was it last year that was published? that contained uh, like more than half of the essays in the book uh, came out where one was, one was written by Dr. Sturgis herself. And I think at least four others uh, were written by uh, students who had been in her Harry Potter class here at Signum. Um, so you know, th th that, that kind of thing uh, has been really wonderful. We've been getting a lot of, uh, of, of really, I mean, it's, you can't go to a, a conference nowadays. You know, you go to a scholarly Tolkien conference, you can't go to one without, uh, without hearing, you know, papers which have come from some of them, even from Mythgard Academy students, uh, some from, you know, many from our, from our Signum students, uh, you know, many of our students have, have, have had that experience of joining our program and, uh, and ending up, you know, within a few years time, um, being recognized by, you know, the scholars you have always admired, you know, because they've, they've, they've heard of you and read your work. Um, that's, um, and I remember uh, uh, Chris Swank, uh, our, our first ever graduate, our, our, our very first alumni and who is now teaching with us. She's, she's precepting uh, her first class with us this, uh, this summer. Uh, she'll be, I believe, pre precepting again with us in the fall. Um, and I remember when she had that experience at, at, at MythCon uh, last year. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's, uh, it's been... Um, it's been, yeah, exactly. Okay, you can't you can't throw a Tolkien conference lanyard without hitting a Signum student. Absolutely. Um, uh, yes, Curtis. Several uh, Signumites are at Taylor University this weekend at the Inklings conference. There, absolutely. In fact, Curtis, I just got a I just got a text earlier today from Serena Higgins, the chair of our department, who was texting me from the session in which Jen Raimondo, uh, one of our students and also the lead of our institutional planning team. 
um, was delivering a paper, and she was like, "Jen's paper was so wonderful." You know, so it's it's great. Yes, I mean you will you'll definitely run run into that at pretty much any conference uh, you go to. And yeah, thank you, Curtis. Harry Potter for nerds too. That was the uh, collection that just came out. Yeah, that I was referring to. Anyway, okay. So so that's an, an example of another of another area uh, that's going to be going on. Also, here's another thing: class enhancement areas. So. Um, this is something that a lot of uh, people have wanted, which we've never really had a place to support before, and that is um, places where people can do... We, 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 we are interested in, in creating student-led discussions. Um, so, for instance, uh, one class for which this has been a particular, uh, a particular question is our Beowulf Translation Seminar, which is coming up in the fall. Um, lots of people were sort of... Well... They're like, I can't audit that class. You know, the people are asking if they could audit the class. And I'm like, no, you can't audit the class. There's no auditing, right? Because there's no lecture. Um, you know, in an audit, you normally, you know, you, you listen to the lecture, but you, you don't take part in the discussion. There is no non-discussion. The translation seminar, it's a translation seminar. There's no lecture. It's all discussion. Um, it's all small group preceptor sessions. That's a, that, that class is 100% preceptor session. Um, so therefore, you can't audit it. Um, I... So, so yeah, that's not really an option. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that we were thinking about, it's like, well, we, you know, but we don't want to discourage people who want to follow along and kind of be a part. Wouldn't it be cool um, if there was a forum where people could kind of follow along, have students from the class kind of stopping in, um, you know, we, over time, I mean, a lot of the stuff is going to kind of grow over time. A lot of these things are sort of concepts right now. I'm not sure exactly kind of where they're going to go, but my, my sort of idea here, my vision for this is that this is a place where many of our students, some of our, of our MA students could come in and be leading discussions so that, so that auditors and interested people could be, uh, be able to engage in more discussion and follow through, uh, you know, along with the classes as they, as they go through. Um, yeah. So, uh, Kate Neville says, student support is how I got through philology. We had Google meetings to help each other through homework. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'd be really fun to have an area like that. And, we, you know, where others who are outside the class, um, you know, but, but inside our community would want, to, uh, would want to kind of be able to sort of experience and follow along. Um, so I would, you know, I would love that. But, but, okay. So this is all great. Like places, you know, ways in which not only mechanisms in, you know, areas in which our students can connect with each other and, and, you know, but also areas in which they can pursue their interests together and really sort of enrich each other and, and, and everything. And that's all really great. But of course, there's an issue here, right? All through here, I've been talking about students, right? Our auditors and our, our, our credit students. But of course, our students aren't our whole community, right? There are, there are other people who are very, very much a part of who Signum is and what we do, but who don't actually take our classes, right, are not enrolled in our classes. Um, what about the, the staff and the volunteers who work so hard to make all of this possible, right? Many of those are also students, but not all of them, right? Um, what about those who love this stuff so much that they're willing to dedicate many, many hours a week to helping support it and make it happen, but they don't have time or money to take a class, right? Um, what about our donors, Right to whom we owe the fact that we're still surviving and still in existence. Right, those people are very. I mean, that those that our staff, our donors, and our students. You guys are Signum University, and the people who support um, Signum University with you know their finances, the people who've supported our fundraising campaigns. Um, 
I mean, I am no less grateful to them than to our students. We rely so heavily uh, upon that. It's, it's a part of who we are and a part of what we do. Um, we we, we want to welcome people into our community. Once you, you know, when you are that integral a part of our community, when you are that big a support to us, we want to, to, to you know, there, there should be benefits to that. There should be advantages to that. You should, you should be welcomed in uh, as, because you're part of the school that you are helping to support and helping to build. Um, so in the months to come, you know, as we were, you know, we're still kind of ironing this out. Um, I'm not sure how long it's going to take in the you know, couple of weeks, couple of months. I'm not sure until all of this stuff is really, it's fully operational. Um, like the Death Star, you know, um, except more friendly. Um, uh, anyway, um, donors, staff, everybody's going to be invited also to be in the community hearth. And, you know, so obviously some of the student oriented areas are not going to be relevant, right? So, I mean, our donors, you know, people who, who are just, you know, fans and, and, and supporters of the institution and our programs, but aren't enrolled in our courses are not going to really need access to the thesis support group, for instance, right? You know, really any of these sort of student support areas. Um, so different people who are in different, um, uh, who are in different, sort of in different relationships with Signum um, are going to have access to different areas. Um, and so basically, like for, for someone who's not a student at all, and therefore the student specific information and, and support areas aren't relevant, that, that area will just kind of be invisible because we're not going to be, obviously they're not going to be a part of that. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Karina says, once a beloved supporter of Signum, always a beloved supporter of Signum. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so um, so yeah, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be inviting everybody to join us around the community hearth. Everybody, everybody involved, um, and we have a bunch of other areas which are really specially oriented towards uh, our donors and our enthusiastic the enthusiastic supporters of our of our non credit bearing programs like the Mifgard Academy. So, for instance. Couple things here. First of all, the Council of the Wise, which many of you have already been involved in, that's going to live here within, you know, under the umbrella of the community hearth. Um, it's not necessarily otherwise going to change. It always existed in Moodle. Now it exists in the community hearth as, as sort of part of this uh, part of this larger thing. We also want a place. Again, people have often asked, is there a place where we can go to 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 discuss? Like people who are watching the Mythgard Academy videos asynchronously or who are doing the reading or even coming to it after the class is done, you know, is there a place where they could go to, uh, to, to have more discussion, you know, have some student led discussions, you know, do a, do a, do a hangout to, uh, talk about, you know, this last week's class or whatever. Um, we want there to be opportunities for you guys to do that. Um, so, you know, so yeah, if you're a donor and a MythAc supporter, you know, then uh, we we'd love to invite you to you know to to, to some of these areas, um, and uh, the classroom archives. Uh, this is big. I'll talk, I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, another day, I think. Um, but but basically, the the idea here, this is where people will be able to get access to our past classes, um, to what basically have been our course packs, um, and I'm. We haven't officially worked out all of the details of this yet, but I'm basically um, working on moving the course packs permanently and entirely uh, here to the to the classroom archives within the community hearth. Um, all of this, you know, this is basically what the uh, you know, and not all people have access to all areas. Um, some are designed for students and student concerns, uh, as I explained. Some of them are, you know, 
design, we want to be able to reward our donors and to reward them in proportion to their generosity, as we've always liked to do. You know, so larger donors are going to have more access to more areas than smaller donors. Um, basically, these these areas within the community hearth are going to really form the heart of uh, the sort of the mechanism for the donor reward system we're going to have moving forward. Um, uh, so there'll be uh, there'll be there'll be lots of stuff there. Any questions about the community hearth or any of these uh, programs or initiatives that we're that we're developing inside here. Any questions about the community hearth before I move on to my third topic, as I've kept you very, uh, very late already, and I have one more topic to discuss. It shouldn't be quite as long as the first two. Um, but um, any uh, any any last questions? My third topic, then, is new programs. Um, so we're going to be doing some new programs. So it's been another thing that's been really cool over this past year is that something which we'd, all, which we'd started a couple years back and which had been sort of happening um, and kind of growing organically has grown into something that, I don't know, really makes me happy. And that is the, you know, the, the, the free public programs that we run. Um, I find the breadth of our public offerings really delightful. Um, I, um, and, not, and not just our public, of all of our offerings. That is, I like the fact that we have, you know, our really great credit courses for students, you know, who are, you know, serious about, you know, professional study. And we also have these more informal uh, programs uh, that are open to the public, um, it's just such a great balance. It allows us to be generous and open to everybody uh, while still being rigorous and academically serious. Um, and it's also very practical as well. Of course, the, the, the public programs that we run serve as the foundation of our fundraising efforts as they have from the beginning. I mean, it's, it's really great, right? Because I mean, we're a nonprofit school um, and we're a nonprofit school which is determined to keep tuition prices as low as humanly possible. We'd have to ask for money anyway, right? I mean, there's no way we're going to avoid fundraising uh, in that way. We also started up from scratch and have no endowment. So, you know, one way or another, we'd be asking people for money. Our public programs make that easy and fun, right? It's, it's wonderful to feel like we are giving to the community, you know, especially the community of, of, uh, of Tolkien and, you know, sort of fantasy and sci-fi fandom, um, and, uh, and therefore really just asking them to give back rather than you know, going around and begging. Um, so it's just that whole system has made me so happy. Uh, I've been really, really enjoying it. Um, now, of course, as, as you as you likely know, so far our public programs have been in three primary categories. We've had the Silmarillion Film Project through my Tolkien Professor podcast, um, which has been which has been going very, very well. We've started season two. We're uh, we're, we're just about to begin planning uh, the Awakening of the Elves at Quivienen. Uh, the fan participation in that has been really flourishing through the end of season one. We have uh, people pouring lots and lots of time uh, into developing ideas and de designing things and drawing things and composing music and writing plot outlines and everything else. It's been it's been uh, it's been really fun. Um, uh, so that's been that's been really flourishing as a real community activity. 
Midgard Academy, of course, which is still going strong in its third year now. Um, and that's been really great. I've been really having fun uh, as we've, especially we've kind of gotten uh, kind of past the usual suspects a little bit. I've loved our trip through the history of Middle-earth. So looking forward to The Lost Road, which is next. Um, so glad to do classes like Dracula, uh, Jonathan Strange, and Mr. Norrell, which I've never read before and which I now absolutely love. Um, Curtis uh, Wayant is excited about Ursula Le Guin. Me too. I'm actually, I, I, I've never read Dispossessed before, Curtis. Uh, I'm currently reading it now for the first time. It's pretty, uh, very impressive. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh uh, to talking about it. So anyways, the Mythgard Academy has been great. Um, and of course, this past year really saw the birth of, the, of a new area of our public programming, and that is in the in the video game world of the Lord of the Rings Online. Um, and this has been really successful. This, you know, we've been, uh, Mythgard has been really embraced uh, by the community there in some really fun and exciting ways. Um, and, uh, you know, basically that that initiative has been primarily um, inspired by, okay, part of it was inspired by the fact that I was playing Lotro anyway, so we might as well make it official, but no, no, seriously though, um, inspired by the fact that like, here's this group of very active Tolkien fans. Um, and you know, we want to connect with them. You know, we wanted to engage, we wanted to basically introduce ourselves to them. Um, and it's been great. We do a lot of in-game activity. We've We've got a kinship in the game. It's really fun to go around in Lotro, and then you see a character run by with the with 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 Mythgard under their names, right? Because they're in the Mythgard kinship. Um, we do so. We do in-game activities together uh, uh, on a regular basis. Uh, I do my weekly stream where I do a live stream of the game as I play it, and I answer lore questions and talk about the um, the the adaptation um, within the game uh, from Tolkien's books. It's really really cool stuff. Um, fortunately, I really admire Lotro and the work that they do. One of the most brilliant adaptations of Tolkien's work that I've seen in any media. So that's, uh, uh, that's been, that's been useful. But of course, the whole Lotro experience has also kind of been a reminder of how many Tolkien fans have still never heard of Mythgard or my podcast or anything, right? Uh, I mean, there's times that, you know, uh, Kay, Ben Abraham, who's here tonight, uh, Trish Lambert, who's not, they've been very much involved. Uh, Trish especially has been sort of the cornerstone of our uh, of our activities there. Kay's been a wonderful help. Um, uh, and they'll both tell you how much fun it is uh, to be in the chat room when I'm doing my Twitch stream. And people will come and they'll just be discovering everything brand new. And they'll be like, you know, who's this Tolkien professor guy and what's going on here, right? And it's just it's like, hey, there's just, you know, all these new people who don't know anything about us or what we do. And of course... Here we are at Signum, and like we feel that we have, and I think you can't even, it's not even really that arguable, you know, that we have the best Tolkien studies program in the world. I mean, you can't do the kind of program of studies and Tolkien studies that we offer anywhere else in the world. Um, uh, and still, so many Tolkien fans don't even know it exists, right? Uh, and of course, beyond Tolkien fans, we're beginning um, our relationship with. Uh, the, Lord of, the Lord of the Rings Online community has been so good, we're beginning to branch out to, to other gaming communities um, and seeing if, you know, we can, uh, we can establish some fo footholds in other places as well. Um, so that's been, that's been really, really great. However, this summer, we're going to launch a new program, a fourth initiative in our public programs, on top of all the other things that we're doing. Um, and our goal with our new program is not 
to reach a new audience, but to fill a particular niche for our existing audience. I'm sure we will reach others as well, but, but it's primarily our longtime people that I'm thinking of here. One consequence, of course, to the changes in our academic program is that there are going to be fewer new courses to audit, right? I mean, there's only going to be one or two new courses a term, and many of you who have been around in auditing for a long time, of course, have already audited most of those other classes that are going to be filling our, um, uh, that are going to be filling our, our uh, you know, course rotations over the, over the coming semesters. And if you are one of those people, if you are one of our dedicated auditors who, don't, who doesn't take classes for credit, but who, who audits with us very regularly, admit it, you're probably like a little bit disappointed when I describe the changes that are going to be happening, right? You know, because it just, there wasn't going to be as much, because uh, I know that people who are auditing our classes voraciously um, are people who are most liking the, like, always new classes coming along every semester thing, right? Um, well, the new program that I'm going to explain, the new public program that we're going to be doing, is really designed with you guys in mind, okay? Um, I want to give our wonderful auditors another intellectually meaty program uh, that they can get excited about, uh, even if there are going to be fewer new courses within our MA program uh, as we move forward. So this summer, uh, I'm, we're going to introduce what I'm calling Signum Seminars. Now, really, this isn't completely new. Uh, we're going to be building this on the foundation of the great work done by Serena Higgins with the guest lecture series over the last couple of years. But what we're doing now um, is, is a little different. We're going to be doing a series of multi-part seminars taught by distinguished guest professors. So not just me. Like Mythgard Academy has been me all the time, right? We're going to be bringing in distinguished guest people, and, we're, and they're going to be doing multi-part seminars. So not just one-off lectures, but they're going to be doing like little mini-classes, basically. Um, you know, maybe, you know, a session a week for two, three, four weeks, something like that, um, where you're really going to get a chance to, to dig into something much more than you would uh, in a lecture, but it's also nothing like the commitment of a semester class or even a Mythgard Academy class. Um, so uh, anyway, so this should, be, this should be a lot of fun. This summer, we're beginning our first series uh, of these seminars is a series that I'm calling Tolkien's New Books. Uh, we're going to have four, I'm planning four seminars so far um, between basically July and the end of the year. Um, they'll be kind of spaced out in there. And one is going to, and so the, the first one is going to be on the new book. Wait, I have it right here. Yes, A Secret Vice, uh, edited by, uh, by Andrew Higgins and Demetra Femi. And uh, uh, Andrew Higgins and Demetra Femi are going to be teaching this seminar on their book uh, to tell us about, you know, to, 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 it's going to be, I think, a three-part seminar they're going to do on a secret vice. Um, in part, of course, this is designed also to follow up on the, on the, uh, the Imagine Languages classes, class that, uh, uh, that Dr. Higgins taught uh, this past spring. Um, so, of course, all the students who took that class are going to be invited to come back and do the follow-up sessions here uh, on a secret vice. Um, uh, but, uh, ha, oh, oh, Dan is jealous. How did I get a copy of this? Huh? You can't find it anywhere. Of course you can't, Dan. Not available in America, right? But I know the author. He mailed me one from England because he's such a good guy. Uh, but don't you worry, Dan. You're, uh, they, will be, they will be available in America 
uh, in, I think in the first week of July. So soon after they're available in America is when the seminar. So this, this one will be hot off the American presses uh, when we have our first seminar. So, uh, so Dr. Higgins and Dr. Femi will be doing their seminar on a secret vice. Later on, end of the summer, maybe September-ish, something like that, we're going to have another seminar series on the fall of Arthur. Uh, and that's going to be taught by Leonard Niedorf of Harvard University, um, uh, who is doing, he's doing a, a, a seminar series on Arthurian literature at Harvard this summer, uh, was really interested to follow it up uh, with a Mythgard series. Uh, so he's going to do a fall of Arthur uh, with us uh, uh, after that. Then we're going to have one on the, uh, the new Kulervo book. And we are, in fact, going to get Verlin Flieger herself, the editor of that book, to uh, uh, to be to do that class. So again, you want to you want to learn more about uh, the Kalevala and Tolkien's earliest work uh, of fiction. Uh, we'll get the Kalevala uh, or the Kulervo rather uh, seminar uh, by Verlin Flieger, and then after that, we are going to have what I know many of you were secretly hoping for, in which I am delighted to say we're going to be able to offer a seminar on Beowulf uh, by Tom Shippey. Uh, Tom Shippey has agreed to do a three-part um, three seminar series on uh, uh, Tolkien's Beowulf, which, of course, came out not too long ago. So Secret Vice, Fall of Arthur, Kulervo, and Beowulf. We will have a seminar series on each one of those uh, moving forward here through, through the end of the year. So doesn't that sound like fun? Right, so uh, Mythgard Academy is still going to go on. You know, Motro stuff is still going to be happening. Film film will be proceeding on schedule, but also we're going to have uh, we're going to have this other series on top of these things. Um, Cynthia says, "What about Sigurd and Gudrun?" Oh boy, uh, 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 greedy much, Cynthia? No, I, I, I'm working on that. I hope to I hope to follow that up too. Uh, I have a I have a. a an idea uh, for that one as well. I have a lead on somebody I think would do a great job with the Sigurd and Gudrun uh, uh, seminar series. So um, anyway, okay. Now let me explain the situation here, how, how this is going to work. Now obviously, okay, so these seminars are going to be free to everybody. Again, they're going to be free to, you know, we're not going to sell tickets to attend. Uh, they're going to be free to download just like the Mythgard Academy. But of course, you know, whenever we bring in distinguished guest lecturers like this, there's some additional cost involved. I mean, I always want to show our gratitude uh, to our professors. Um, you know, I'm not gonna, uh, I, 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 you know, we all love Tom Shippey and I, I love and respect him too much to come to him and be like, and by the way, could you do it for free? Um, I, you know, we, we want to, we want to show our gratitude, uh, to our wonderful guest faculty. Um, this means of course, there's the, these, the, there's always cost involved with all of our free programs. There's a little extra cost involved, uh, with these free programs. Um, but I still want to keep them free. I don't want to. I don't want to have tuition. I don't want to sell tickets. Um, what I'm going to do is my plan is to do sort of a, a, a little mini fundraising campaign uh, for each of these seminar series to raise money to cover the costs and and to help support Signum. Um, and it's very modest. My idea is to to raise two thousand uh, dollars for each seminar as we go. Attendance is going to be free, and I'm not going to sell tickets. But I am going to. We're going to have sort of a suggested donation. Um, you know, we're going to suggest people might want to donate uh, like twenty dollars uh, to attend this—not per session, but like for the seminar series. Um, and we're not talking—we're not talking about a lot, but that would—that would go really far towards um, uh, towards um, uh, covering our costs and, and, and helping to support us. I'm also think, thinking about some things like a like a like a VIP pass, right? If you donate at a certain level. 
you know, maybe you could come in and engage in some audio discussion. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll bring you in as a panelist and, and, and you can ask questions and have some discussion with our guest speaker, something like that. I don't know. I'm still kind of, still kind of thinking about that a little bit, maybe like a VIP season pass. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, more on that soon, but, uh, and so there, there is going to be a fundraising angle, uh, on all of these, because again, we really need to, in order to make these things happen, all of our free programs, of course, are not free at all. Uh, and we pay thousands of dollars a year to support all of our free programs. Uh, so we very much rely on, uh, the generosity of the people who are enjoying them very much. Um, uh, but wait, there's more, uh, and kind of coming back around in a way to our academic program. We're also starting a new program with our full credit classes. So this isn't one of our free programs, but I, I bring it up now because it's kind of first cousin to them. That is, it's another way for us to sort of reach out um, to to people with our with our programs and with our and, and with our with our stuff. Um, as a result of the changes to the academic program that I already talked about. We're going to be able to launch a program that I've been looking forward to and wanted to do for a long time now, and that is certificate programs. Because here's the thing. I know, I mean, I run a master's degree program, but I am well aware of the fact that, like, the vast majority of people in the world don't really need an MA. Like, their lives won't really be revolutionized if they have a master's of arts in literature and language. I get that. Um, and many people have said that over the years, like, oh, your classes sound so cool, but I don't really need an MA. Right. Um, so like, it's not for me, but no, it could be for you actually. And so, so what we're doing in our certificate programs, um, people are going to be taking the same courses, getting the same credit, just working towards a different goal. People who want to study and gain expertise in these fields that they love. We want people to be able to learn what they love. Right. Um, we'll be able to work towards this non-degree certificate. Uh, you take five courses, at least four, uh, in the concentration of your choice. Uh, and you uh, you get a you get one of our uh, one of our certificates. So just looking for a second at this, you might have noticed this menu option before, which I skipped over uh, at the time. Um, our certificate program. Um, so you can get more information here. You can see right now we have one for each of our major concentrations, as you saw before. Um, we may be. Um, um, We've got, you know, our, our, our Q&A questions down here at the end, our, our, our FAQ for our certificate program. So if you do know people who are, you know, really enthusiastic about fantasy, science fiction, Tolkien studies, uh, uh, languages, you know, really they're gung-ho about Anglo-Saxon and Old Norse and the Germanic philology thing, um, then, you know, invite them to consider just, you know, they don't have to enroll in the full MA program, just... just uh, uh, enroll to get a certificate. It's the same application as for the MA program. There'll just be an option to designate um, uh, I'm applying for the certificate program rather than for uh, uh, for the master's degree program. Um, and you can see, look at our look at our shiny new concentration pages. Ah, the Germanic philology page, right? What, um, what classes do we have here? Uh-huh, the classes that we are committing to offer uh, every, every other year. Um, yes, sir. Also developing some new classes, uh, like a follow-up philology two class, for instance, might be something that comes up before too very long. Um, yeah, yeah. And what did I say there? Hang on. Let's go back. 
and the imaginative literature concentration. So Gowan and the Green Knight class, Tom, that would be cool. That would be very cool. Oh, oh wait, hang on. Uh, here. Imaginative way. That's what I wanted. That's right. And just check out this list of classes down here. Oh yeah. Now as you'll notice, this list of classes is very long because of course our imaginative our imaginative literature concentration is much broader uh, than uh, you know it's it's it kind of casts a wider net than Tolkien studies specifically or even Germanic philology. Um, so a lot more of our courses. And of course, if you were interested in an imaginative in, in an imaginative lit concentration, of course, many of our Tolkien classes as well could also be counted towards your concentration. Um, so uh, you can kind of mix and match there a little bit. Because this list is longer, these won't all necessarily be offered every two years. Some of these might take three years to come around again because there are so many, but, uh, but we still are going to be cycling through these uh, regularly. Anyway, okay, so the certificate program. So think about the certificate program again um, for, for people who are interested in, in really digging in and taking classes, but, but to whom a master's degree seems, you know, irrelevant or, you know, just too much. It's gilding the lily, you know. Um, okay, and that's it. This is that, this is your, that, that, that this concludes your glimpse at the new world of uh, Signum University as that, that, that is, uh, that is coming down the pipe. Um, any final questions? Now, Kit has a great question. And good to see you, Kit. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, uh, is, she's interested in uh, 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 other classes, like, uh, other language classes, uh, specifically Greek and Italian, both uh, ones that I would like to do, Kit, and I would like to do Italian uh, really almost entirely so that we could then offer a Dante class afterwards. I would love to see a cycle of introductory Italian classes then leading to a Divine Comedy translation seminar like the Beowulf translation seminar. Um, the sequence that we have in Anglo-Saxon I'm really fond of, the intro to Anglo-Saxon, the Beowulf translation seminar, and the and then the the, the, the broader Tom Shippey Beowulf lecture series. I would love to have that same kind of thing with Old Norse, um, uh, to do that, to be able to do that same thing with Homer in Greek, to be able to do that with Dante. Um, uh, uh, we have we have Latin. I'm I'm hoping uh, to be able to push for a uh, uh, an Aeneid um, translation seminar. Uh, that would be that would be really fun. So anyway, okay. So um, uh, yes, yes, Tim, uh, with the Old Norse class. Yes, uh, uh, the Eddas. Absolutely. Yes, yes. That's just just the kind of thing that I am thinking that I'm hoping we're going to be able to be we're we're, we're going to begin building uh, down the road. Um, it has always been our hope that our language courses, to this point, our language classes have been too much an addendum, right? Here's our literature classes, and there's also a language class that you should also take, right? I want to integrate those more. That's why we're called the Literature and Language Department instead of segregating those. Um, so, yep, yep, we have plans for those. Uh, the new Old Norse class is our first step towards, uh, towards expanding these things. We hope to, to continue uh, to expand uh, those offerings as we move forward, so uh, I, I can't I, I can't give you a time frame exactly, but that's definitely that's definitely in the plans. Other questions before I uh, before I finally let people sleep here. Final questions. 
Uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, Andre says a dedicated Sigmund page on LinkedIn would be nice. Yeah, I'll have to talk to I'll have to talk with our our people that, uh, about building more of a LinkedIn presence. I've started to use LinkedIn recently, but I still don't use it that much. Uh, I should though. At least I feel that I should. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's something we should do. Yeah, yeah. Curtis making notes. Yep, agreed. Yeah, we definitely need to do that. Yeah, good. Other thoughts, questions? Okay, well then I'll just end by thanking you guys again for joining us on this wild ride that has been the life of Signum University to date. Uh, and I hope that you feel or sort of begin to feel as time moves forward here that, uh, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the sort of youthful program that has, you know, gone through all of, uh, you know, it, it's gone through its share of, of growing pains and things over the last few years. Um, you know, that, that I, I hope you will feel that, you know, you are, you are seeing the fruit of continuing to, uh, to support and help us as we move forward and that, uh, you will see, uh, in reality as we move forward as, as, as clearly as I see, uh, in concept here looking towards this next year, how we're going to be, uh, uh, growing and operating in so many new and exciting ways. So thanks very much for having, uh, been with us on this journey so far and, uh, and, uh, and continuing as we move forward. And I hope that this is going to be a program that you guys are going to be even more proud of and more excited about, uh, and, uh, you know, and more, uh, one that will be even, that will be easier than ever before to, uh, to tell other people about and invite other people to. Thanks very much, everybody, again, for all that you do. And I am excited for another year. Thanks very much, everybody. Bye now.